Hello, Five Things listener. Communication is everything, especially for marketers and PR professionals. But if communication is more than your job, if it's your passion, then you should check out the podcast Stories and Strategies. Stories and Strategies is about human communication. It explores the deeper issues impacting marketing and PR professionals, such as artificial intelligence capabilities, behavioral science, behavioral economics, nudge theory, and making communication content and materials more accessible. You'll get all of this and more when you check out Stories and Strategies, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Five Things, This Week in Social. Each week, we search high and low for the most interesting stories about the social apps you're probably on right now while you're listening to this. Our friends are here, Kane Fair and Kyla Sloan. Hi, Kane. How are you? How's it going, Joey? What TikTok sound could you do without for the rest of your life? Oh, man. I'm going to go with, honestly, this is a funny one, but the actual voice of the person or the robot that's saying the words when people type them into TikTok is something that is at this point so obnoxious to me. I think they need to be able to change up that voice or at least give it an accent at times. Yeah. Because <laughs> a little variety, a little variety would go a long way, I think. There, yes. And Kyla is here. Hello. Same question What TikTok sound needs to go in the vault? Hello, hello. Honestly, I'm going to say the same thing. However, my reasoning is because it doesn't properly pronounce words. Like, it doesn't say LOL. The voice says lol. You know, it's just very. It's very specific and literal, and I think it should also have some flexibility in pronouncing words correctly. Yeah, it needs some work for sure. Well, I'm Joey Scarillo, and for me, it's corn. And sometimes on Instagram, I'm sick of that. I'm a photographer, and Instagram says we need to yada, yada, yada. I'm done with it. All right, let's think happy thoughts now. Here are the five things. There is a TikTok one and a metaphor. First up, Kyla talks TikTok who are expanding video descriptions to increase discoverability. Then Kane starts the meta conversation as they are allowing users to hop between Facebook and Instagram seamlessly. Third, Kyla tells us about Meta, who is publishing a new Measurement 360 framework. Then Kane breaks down Instagram, who is experimenting with being able to send your latest post as a DM to your friends. And finally, Kyla tells us about Instagram, who confirmed that story videos under 60 seconds will no longer be split into segments. What a relief. All right, team, let's get into it. Kyla, kick us off with TikTok expanding video descriptions to increase discoverability. Yes. And for the record, Joey, I love corn. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. But anywho... As Joey mentioned, TikTok is expanding their video descriptions to increase discoverability. And essentially what this means is that they have now increased their character limit for their captions from 300 characters to 2,200. You may be wondering what this 730% raise in character count means for creators and brands alike using the platform. Essentially, this will allow both brands and creators to be more descriptive in their caption writing, which is predicted to not only generate more engagement, but it will also allow users to become more searchable and better recommended by TikTok viewers. Focusing on the searchability aspect, of course, we've reported here on five things how TikTok has become the new search engine for Gen Z users with more refined discoverability through TikTok. 
TikTok's personalized algorithm, I personally anticipate that we will actually continue to see an increase in users on the platform. It's already been reported that TikTok is expected to reach 1.5 billion users, which is crazy, by the end of 2022. And so I believe that this is actually a huge consideration for brands. And so my advice as a social expert for both brands and creators would be to not only prioritize engaging on TikTok, but if you aren't already doing so, definitely establishing a strategy to be on TikTok by the start of 2023. Excellent breakdown. Kane, I'm curious, who do you think benefits from this increased discoverability? I mean, I think across the board, it's it's a win. I mean, you're, you're able to more appropriately or more actively explain what's going on in your video as a brand or as a as a user or as an influencer. And I think with that extended character limit, you're going to be able to increase the value of the search engine within TikTok to get it a bit more granular to something that you're looking for. And also the algorithm, I'm sure, will be polished with that in saying that if you're looking for something super specific as a user, it's going to be able to feed you up pieces of content that are maybe more targeted to what you're trying to find. So I think as a user, you're going to be able to more effectively and more more quickly find something that's resonating with you. And as a brand, you're able to figure out as a descriptor what's making the most sense to find your core target audience and what's resonating with them. So I think it's kind of a two-way street here. It's a win for the users and it's a win for brands. That's great. We all will love a win-win. Now let's start our meta conversation for the rest of the podcast. Kane, tell us about how meta is allowing users to seamlessly hop between Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, so we talked about meta updating the ways that they're working over the past handful of weeks here, just as they try to, I guess I'll call it combat the successes of other social platforms. But this recent piece of news is one that's quite interesting. Meta is working on making it easier for users to switch between a Facebook account and an Instagram account through this new profile switching tool. So anyone using either app is really able to seamlessly link their Instagram and their Facebooks through something that Meta is calling their accounts center. So this feature is actually in testing for now, but they think that it's going to be widely available for you know the, the iOS or Android app or, or even the web features. And what's interesting about this, and I think what I took away from it, is that it's going to be encouraging more users and, and more cross-platform logins to increase the number of profiles, increase the number of users that are going to be bouncing between each platform. So if you think about it, you have an Instagram page, but you may not be active on your Facebook page or vice versa. With this ability to tap into the account center, your Facebook or Meta is really looking to capitalize on increasing the number of accounts by making it seamlessly possible to go from one to one or sharing content from one to one. I think personally, this is a, a way, as we just talked about, to combat the increasing popularity of those competitors like TikTok and YouTube. And I think this shift will, will maybe make things a bit easier for users, but it also might ramp up the numbers for Meta as they're looking to maybe find higher numbers or higher engagements on their quarterly earnings calls. But for us, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, integration these days and seamlessness these days, as everything is kind of spoon fed to us technologically, integration is key. So I think as Meta wants to increase the suite of apps to be interconnected and and make it as interconnected as possible for users that are active, it's going to be a great tool. But overall, I think it's just their response to the rise and the rising user base of those other platforms and maybe their decline of users on theirs. And it's trying to figure out a way to increase the switch from Facebook to Instagram or Instagram to Facebook and ramp up their numbers. I'm going to generalize here. But when we think about who uses each app, right, we tend to think that an Instagram audience is not 
younger, but younger than a Facebook audience. So I'm curious, Kyla, who do you think is going to benefit the most from being able to seamlessly switch between both apps? You know, I think that that's a really great question. When Kane was talking through the update, I, I actually found this being a great switch, I guess, internally, even like for internal teams. Um, if, if you're a community manager or if you work in media and you're wanting to bounce between the different platforms, I think that it'll also be really helpful in making the job of those that work in social um, and, and manage brand social accounts, making the, their jobs a bit easier. I think at a consumer level, if you are just on actively using both platforms, I think that that's something that could potentially be positive. But I'm not someone, for example, that uses both Instagram and Facebook as much, right? So I think you, you'd you have to fall in a category of someone who loves both equally. I, I do think, though, the simplicity of it all is a smart move because let's say you're an Instagram and you're using the app and you want to switch between profiles. Like you might have a personal profile and you might run a business. So a capability like that, I could see how that seamlessness is a bit more attractive for users as opposed to having to leave one app and open another. So it should have a positive reflection, I think. I love that. Finally, some love for the social media managers and community managers out there. Good job, Meta. All right, Kyla, tell us about Meta, who published a new Measurement 360 framework. Alrighty. So as we know, over the past few years, we've seen a shift in things like data privacy, the change in how we actually consume social, skewing a bit more into the entertainment side, and definitely a major uptick in e-commerce. And so because of this, many businesses have actually had to adjust their media spend, but also their framework for measuring success. So due to this shift, Meta has announced their new tool, which is their Measurement 360, and it is actually in collaboration with Deloitte. Meta actually stated that it helps advertisers utilize multiple best-in-class measurement solutions in tandem to track all components of their marketing strategy. So each tool should intentionally be used to select and address a specific need, providing both flexibility and transparency. So essentially this measurement 360, they're wanting it to be a holistic view of how the consumer journey is working, but also an agile, privacy-safe way of figuring out how their strategies and if their strategies are actually working. So what appears to be the core of this announcement is really that advertisers who previously relied more on third-party data must now lean into first-party data wherever possible and design new strategies to create systems that enable more privacy or better privacy design. So changes in data tracking that we've actually seen means that brands actually will need to take more responsibility, accountability, and probably work better in tandem internally to really get an idea of where data is coming from and being able to access that at all times, right? So it's like, for example, marketing teams internally teaming up with IT solutions internally, because now they have to get a better understanding of, you know, where first party data is coming from and having that deeper understanding of such in order to prioritize their systems. This is actually really fascinating. And there's so much here that brands can work with. So Kane, I'm curious, what do you think would be the biggest takeaway for brands, both big and small? Yeah, I agree. There's a lot to unpack there. You know, I find the meta, especially the Facebook and Instagram analytics and backend tools quite robust. So it's it's amazing to see them even adding on to this. In our world, at least from as a marketer in advertising, data is king. A lot of the decisions that we're making are data-driven, looking at the optimization of our content or looking at the optimization of, of our audiences that we're going after. 
So I think for us, you know, always being on top of the data, always being on top of the analytics and making sure that who we're going after and, and what we're going after is obviously accurate. And the more and more data that we can get, I mean, the way that we're looking at content these days, of course, is going to move the needle. Is it, is it beautiful? Is it is it going to be able to engage people? But more so than ever, it's like, look at the data, look at the analytics, look at the people we're going after. So I think this this update here is going to be one that even bolsters what they've had in the past for um, for Meta and for, for Facebook and Instagram, at least for the content that we're creating. It's how can we most effectively drive content, most effectively drive audience segmentation, and also make sure that the data that we're finding and the people that we're going after are are accurate. So I think it's interesting. It's one that I'm a big fan of. And like you said, there's a whole bunch to unpack within this one. But Kyla did a great job tapping through that and, and making it as clear as possible. Kyla, was there anything in here that really surprised you in this data? I think for me, what was the biggest surprise and not necessarily surprise is I think the outward expression or meta taking time to address the fact that we have seen data privacy change actively. We have, you know, companies like Apple, AT&T actively working to make data or to create restrictions a bit more strict if that makes sense, around data. And so we don't have the same access that we used to. And so in advertising, it's going to take a bit more legwork. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that it's shocking, but I think it's a necessary step that was needed to to be made for consumers. And so now, like I said, it just takes a bit more legwork to create systems that you know are working for your business. Right. It's going to force the data folks to become a little bit more creative, which is always the goal, right? All right, friends, let's jump into our fourth thing. Kane is going to break down Instagram experimenting with the ability to send your latest post as a DM to your friends get into it. Yes. So Instagram came out with a new testing feature. As Joy mentioned, it's a new way to use DMs kind of as an alert option for for new posts. So as Instagram is mining new ways and finding new avenues to you know optimize their platform, but also stand out, Instagram is experimenting with a new option that would essentially seamlessly enable people to share their latest post or their, a piece of content they created with their friends, with their connections via a direct message. So adding a whole other way to increase and boost their awareness or engagement within the app. Essentially, what this means is we're going to be moving away from the traditional way of sharing content, which is you post an Instagram to your feed, the feed gets populated on your friend's channel, and they get to see the post. What's been happening, and I think I agree with this, is a lot of the conversations now and a lot of the content being shared within Instagram is actually being shared within direct messages amongst friends' groups, friends' families' direct messages one-on-one, and it's not necessarily always going to be posted on your page, then come into the feed. If you ask me, this update can get really bizarre really quick. The idea that People can send, choose who that's going to and also send specific pieces of content to a direct message kind of loses the authenticity, in my opinion, of this app. I think this would provide an alternative way to alert users to, you know, your latest updates and and maybe projects or things that you're working on, which is going to lean into that evolving user trend that I just talked about. But I also think it can get really spammy pretty quickly. And depending on how it's applied, I think whether it be a brand or a user just kind of sending direct messages to people, it can get really weird really quick. I mean, all is to say, I it's an interesting update. It's one that I think will be successful if done appropriately, but it has to have some guardrails as to how this is going to be possible, especially when it comes to brands. Because if you think about it, you know, one one example that we had was in email, you're getting this essentially a direct message, but if you're getting all these from from brands and it's you know sp- filling up your spam folder content, it 
gets very diluted and very annoying pretty quickly. So there's got to be a way to be able to filter this from brand usage to friend usage or, or family and whatnot so that this update isn't just being posts and posts and posts sent directly to your DM versus having the algorithm find out exactly what may, might make sense to you in your feed. Yeah, Ken, you really broke down an interesting piece here about the, the spamminess of it. So I'm curious, Kylo, what do you think Instagram can do to avoid that spamminess that we've seen on other platforms like LinkedIn? Yeah, no, I think that was a great point because I hadn't even thought of that, honestly. I don't know if there's anything specific that Instagram can do, but I definitely think it's up to users to just have a bit more understanding when they are wanting to send, you know, the post out. If it's not a thing where they have permissions, just maybe being a bit more honest with themselves about whether or not this could come across as potential spam. Because you're right, LinkedIn is probably the number one platform where this happens. And so I'm thinking of a, a space where now on Instagram, I'm being spammed with like unwarranted requests and in, in cold messages. So I'm not really sure if I love that. But I also think that it could be an opportunity for maybe brands or creators to alert their audiences if they do have those type of permissions, right? Like, let's say you have an email subscription list and anyone who has agreed to be on that list, you ask for their permission to just be alerted, you know, when there is like a new email that goes out or, you know, just just new content that goes out and you have those permissions. So I think it could be a cool way to remind users. But um, yeah, we would just need to see see how that pans out for sure. Yeah. And what else do you think, Kane? I think that's actually a point that is really important. If there's a way to opt into this as a user, especially when it comes to brand marketing or brand communications, if you can opt into it, just as you would any newsletter on a website to an email thread, that becomes really interesting because then it, it removes all of the spamminess to a very core hand-raising group of audience on Instagram that has never really, I mean, besides the follow previously, that hasn't really been an option. There hasn't been a way to directly communicate with your core audience or, or your target audience besides just having them follow your page. And then as we know, that gets diluted with bots and all that stuff as well. So having that as an option, having even segmented out specific audiences within that have raised their hands and have opted in gets really interesting for marketing. Is there a brand you uh, wouldn't mind DMing you? Honestly, a lot of them. I, I'm, I'm pretty selective with who I'm following as, as a brand just because I know how much that influences what I see in my feed. I mean, clothing, technology, music. I mean, I go to Instagram often for like concerts in my area or tour updates. And like, for example, if I know that one of my favorite bands is going on tour and I can jump on tickets quickly and they DM me that, like I'm all for it. That's, that's a great user case for it being a, a big positive in my eyes. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like this has a lot of good use cases too, but a lot of potential warning signs. All right, let's get into our fifth and final thing. Kyla, tell us about Instagram confirms that stories under 60 seconds will no longer be split into segments and the crowd goes wild. This is an interesting one, honestly. Instagram has been testing this update probably over the past year, but it has officially made its way to the mainstream. IG stories will no longer be split into segments. If you're an avid Instagram story lover like myself, you're probably familiar with this update already. But if you aren't, previously, when you were to record an Instagram story, it was split into segments up to 60 seconds. And those segments were 15 seconds each. So essentially, you could record up to four frames at 15 seconds 
each. And you would kind of have the autonomy to decide how long you wanted that story to be and what parts of the story your audience would be able to see. And so now the recording will run uninterrupted for 60 seconds straight. And so Instagram chief Adam Mosseri actually stated that the reason behind this update or one of the reasons behind many of the updates that have happened this year alone are really just to simplify and consolidate their ideas. They've done a lot of big things. They've made a lot of big changes that have really impacted the platform. And so they're really looking to focus on simplicity and craft. And those were his words, right? So I believe that there are some pros and cons to this. Joey, you sound like you're really excited about it. But I personally love the idea of being able to skip through people's stories for sure. That's definitely a pro. But I think now it's a little bit tricky for someone who is actively using stories because you can't you would have to skip through the whole 60 seconds if that's what you record. You, can, you can't really pick and choose which part of those segments you want to hear or don't want to hear or, you know, you want to see or don't want to see. And so I actually think about creators a lot in this aspect because now I think they have to be a little bit more strategic about how they're recording stories and what they're posting. I mean, I also think if you're working in the influencer marketing space like myself, we now have to think a little bit differently about how we're actually contracting deliverables, right? Because initially you were contracting about two to three story frames and that's counted as an IG story set. And so, like I said, each of those frames would be about 15 seconds. And so you normally get about 30 to 45 seconds at minimum. And so now influencers and influencer marketers, like I said, alike, will have to think about contracting and deliverables because you could potentially get a 60 second story, which will definitely affect influencer rates. It'll affect how we contract. It'll affect how we prioritize Instagram stories as a deliverable. And so that's just something that I think brands will now have to be mindful of when including Instagram stories and final deliverables. That is why we have you on this podcast. Your amazing insights. I would have never thought of that ever. Kane, I'm curious to hear from you on this because I want to know, do you think there is any play here to make stories more like reels? 100%. I mean, we've talked about this in the past three, four weeks on this podcast. The push for Instagram, the push for reels to be more like TikTok. I think this is going to be much more of a, I think, a push for for Instagram to be a, a Instagram story to be more of a storytelling element. I think having it be a little bit more long form is their idea of pulling the reels that were once in our feed only now into Instagram stories. But I think, as Kyla mentioned, there's there's going to be some big changes to how we create content, and also it's going to be interesting to see how, in my opinion, how the engagement plays out. Like I know a lot of people when they're clicking through Instagram stories, and this isn't just by my own personal experience, but also by looking at numbers, when we look at data for the content we're creating, people are thumb happy. They just start tapping their thumb and finding the next 15 seconds and 15 seconds. They may just see the first one or two seconds of that story, but they've been accustomed to being able to tap through and still understand kind of the, the bookmarks of what was going on, but they don't get the full thing. So now as we're creating content, you know, as Kyla mentioned, it's going to be a shift where if we give someone a 60 second prompt or 60 second deliverable, you know, how do we make that engaging throughout the entire 60 seconds? When if you just tap your thumb once, it's gone. You know, do you break it up into 30 seconds? Do you break it up into 10 seconds? Do you break it up into 15 seconds still, even though that's, you know, I guess the archaic way of looking at it. But at the same time, it's, we know that people, if the first one second isn't catching their eye, they're, they're tapping and then there goes your last 60 seconds of content that you probably had an amazing content creator create for you. So it's interesting. I think it is 100% to your point, Joey, a, a play in Reels. I think we've seen their emphasis in Reels to combat the success of TikTok, but it's going to be really fun and really interesting to see 
how we as marketers and how influencers and how brands take this, I would consider it a, a small update to see what they've been doing in the past, but one that has massive changes and how we're creating content because Instagram stories these days are so, so popular, whether it be ad placements, content creators, brand messages, etc. This will shift how we set up those those stories and this will shift how we're using them as communication efforts. Very interesting stuff. We will definitely be keeping an eye on this and probably engaging with it ourselves. All right, before we get any angry emails, I just want to clarify something I said at the top of the show. I love the corn kid. I love him the same way I loved the bones, no bones dog. So, but my thing is you can only have so much of a good thing and only so much of a good thing might be the lesson for the week. All right, friends, if you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest or complaints. Or if you just want to send us a thing to talk about, you can do all of that by emailing us at podcast at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank Kyla Sloan and Kane Fair. As always, I want to thank Danielle Hunt and Amanda Fuentes and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios. And finally, thank you, listener. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson, Christina Hyde, and Liz McGovern. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.